0: discipline to just get back on the bike with all the sores and you know whatever else and you're just to do. i mean how when did you first experience that challenge of your mental strength if that makes sense
1: um that's a good question i'm not sure when i first experienced it i mean i've come across little things throughout you know the, the times where i've ridden bikes um You know, riding to London to Paris, you know, sleeping on the ferry uh, as it's rocking and rolling. The the English Channel has has been a good one where you wake up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, you have to Mm. cycle 50k for breakfast. Um, You know, little things like that, kind of, you just then know that it's only 50k and and you will get there. Yeah, interesting. Um, Breaking it down. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to realizing that, you know, a bit of, I guess, constant forward progress. yeah, as long as you're moving forward, you are going to get out of the situation eventually. But if you stop and you stay there, mm. it, nothing's going to change. Yeah.
0: And we are live. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another uh, episode of the Jira podcast. We have round two of Danny's Coach's Corner with the world famous Danny Roberts-Clark, or the doctor. Coach Danny's in the house. Hey, Danny. Hey, mate. How you going? Good. And we've got um, the, uh, the with the sensei along with the what should we call you, Jamie? The, the apprentice. Ca- apprentice. The cadet. Novice. Comic yeah. relief. One. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Prized idiot. <laughs> the, the charity project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, obviously, you are Danny's one of Danny's um, students. Uh, or clients probably better time um, and after the the last podcast where we talked about the you know power training we had a lot of requests for people who wanted to understand about training and getting into ultras so we introduce the legendary uh well in these parts anyway <laughs> matt falconer matt hello hey the bird thanks. man how you doing good thanks mate how are you
1: yeah not bad Not bad. thank you
0: um just bring the mic a little bit close to your pal there you go um <clears throat> Cool. Well, um, so look, thanks very much. (laughs) Uh, Having some technical difficulties. So thanks very much for joining. Um, He stands a bit flaccid.
1: (laughs) It's late in the day.
2: Matt, your rod's gone a bit flaccid eh? (laughs) (laughs) there. There you go.
0: It's been a long day. Very tired. Um, So... Yeah, look, we had a, when after the last podcast, you know, people found the, the understanding about training with power really interesting, mm-hmm. and we put it out on social media, what do people want to do, and actually the overwhelming response was people want to understand training for ultra, and obviously you are, um, I know you're very humble about it, all, but you are very respected and, you know, and have accomplished a lot in the ultra scene, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what ultra is, um, in fact, let's probably just start there, what, okay. is, what is ultra racing, Matt? What
1: is ultra racing? Um, So I think ultra racing from my mind is, there's a a few things it could be, but um, what is ultra racing? It's basically traveling really far on your bike unsupported. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this.
0: (laughs) Well, you you do it pretty well. So, I mean, you've just basically said traveling long distances Unsupported. Unsupported. On your bike. Solo. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, there's pair categories out there, but yes. You're basically, you're on your own, um, riding from A to B. Yeah. Unsupported.
0: So give an example of some of the races that you've done.
1: Uh, so I've only really done two races, but I've done them a few times. Yeah, so sure. I've done... Um, the, probably the one most well known is the transcontinental race yeah. um, and that is a race that is usually about 4,000 kilometres yeah. uh, that travels from one side of Europe to the other yeah. it's the transcon yeah. uh, transcontinental so yeah um, I've done that four times now um, and that's a predominantly a road surface race although they tend to uh, send us on to like gravel parkours um, mm. on some of the controls. So the controls are the certain checkpoints and the the points that you have to go through on that uh, on that transcontinental uh, route. Yeah. Um, the rest in between, you know, the routing in between uh, those uh, control points and the start and the finish is up to you. You just have to go through those points. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's mostly road. Um, but I also have done the Italy Divide yeah. uh, twice as well. Yeah. Um, the Italy divide is a off-road race. Um, it was, I think initially it was, um, advertised as a gravel bike race. Okay. Um, you can do it on a gravel bike. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's more of a, um, a, a big tire, you know, super gravel bike yeah, or sure. mountain bike yeah. race. But that goes from, uh, the Southern, Southern Italy up to, uh, the foothills of the, um, the italian alps so uh, finishes just north of verona okay usually starting in naples
0: yeah amazing so, so i mean we've been um obviously we you've been a customer here for a while and and uh, uh in turn we've you know kind of drawn very close with curve you know curve as a brand mm-hmm. you know curve are the brand of bikes that we work with here at giro and uh, curve as a brand have um very much adventure and ultra kind of in their pedigree in their in in their heritage you know they the you know jesse sarah um you know rhino and then ambassadors like yourself christoph you know have have all you know some significant racing under their under their belts and again as you say there's that sense of adventure there's that traveling long distances uh, on your own um and really kind of you know, it's a very extreme category of racing, you know, even though it's becoming more accessible now, it is an extreme category, and, um, you know, so we, we'll get into some of the races that you've done, but we just kind of wanted to, and obviously, we've done a podcast before, Matt, you know, I think it was yeah. one of the first ones, actually, um, and, you know, really kind of doing a deep dive into some of the racing that you've done, and we, we met you at the finish of your last TCR in Brest, and we kind of did a bit of a recap after that, um, but what we wanted to do today, for all you listeners out there who, who requested us to kind of just understand a little bit about more so much, not so much the actual racing, because we can go back to those podcasts, but really the preparation into it. And then some of the physical demands whilst we're in the racing. Um, so, Danny, you know, obviously, with your experience, you coach all sorts of people. Yeah. Maybe just talk about some of the, um, you know, so maybe the the. the D- the the differences that you would approach as a coach and we can talk to matt about some of his preparation between training let's say jamie who's you know as we know you know preparing for racing short very very short distances in comparison to ultra uh, compared to to matt you know who is you know who has trained and completed and you finished second in 17 18 18 18 you finished second 18. in that and so i mean just to put it into context you did sort of four thousand kilometers in how many days? Uh, So that one was uh,
1: just under 10 days.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, you know, bananas. So we're talking about 4,000 kilometers in 10 days compared to Jamie, who's doing 25 miles um in you know 25 minutes (laughs) that'd be nice (laughs) 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 fucking weird um but i mean obviously those are two extremely different you know categories of racing there so as a coach how do you approach it
3: i guess uh, the same way you'd approach uh anything really you want to look at the demands of the event yeah um and then kind of work backwards from there Um, so obviously the demands of a 25 mile time trial or a you know 100 mile road race are very very different to the demands of riding 400k a day for 10 days um and then obviously the training differs a lot as well um i think one of the one of the real key differences with ultra um and this is something that um jesse and sarah from curve have a really good book um called oh god what's it called um Touring with a Sense of Urgency. Mm. Um, anyone who's interested in ultra, go and get that book. Yeah, it's it the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I mean, their kind of thinking is that performance in a, in a real ultra race comes down to three things. Um, on the bike, strength and fitness. Um, like your mental strength um, and then your experience, which, you know, is packing the right kit, knowing how to deal with all the different conditions and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and they give those fairly equal weight. So... It kind of comes back to the fact that, you know, if you're doing it, something like the Transcon, pure physical fitness might only be a third of the package. Yeah, um, I think, you know, I'm really glad we've got Matt here to talk about some of the other stuff because, you know, obviously the I haven't done an ultra myself. Um, I understand the physiological demands of the event, but all the other stuff, it's it's great to have some insight from someone like Matt. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, I mean, Matt, like, let's... I mean, I, I know I've sort of shared this on the, on the pod before, but I remember... I mean, God, what year was it? 15 was the first, first time you did it? Yeah, so
1: I think the first race I did was in 2016. 2016. But I think we were chatting at yeah, we the end we're of 2015.
0: We were on a ride and you were like, <coughs> oh, I've, uh, I've got a place in the TCR," And I was like, great, what's that? Like, not a clue, didn't have a clue. And then, you know, you had, obviously you were aware of it, but this was the first race you'd done. So it'd be really interesting to maybe talk about the preparation into that first one. Doing it, and then yeah. what you learned from that, and the changes you made, sort of like preparing before. I mean, if, yeah, I mean, maybe we, yeah, let's just kind of like break that down into like the sim- simplicity. Like, how did you prepare for that first one, and what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I never really treated training for that race as you know in any structured way. Yeah, um, and. I think, you know, as I developed, I, I did change that. But that first particular race, I just had a good base of riding lots, yeah. first of all. So I knew I could do long distance. I knew I could do, you know, some good distance over multiple days mm. um, to a certain extent. But I'd never really done, you know, um, like a long bike packing ride, mm. like an overnight, uh, you know, an all-day ride before. So mm. um, really, I think that first race, I just focused on just – getting healthier and fitter first of all so Mm. i changed my diet up a little Mm bit um and i tried testing the kit and i think that was one of the first things that i was doing in that race was finding the kit that i was going to use and and getting used to it Mm. um and i yeah i still kind of that was one of one of the things that really stood me in instead from the first race and going forward was getting to know the kit and getting to understand how it works and repairing it and
0: when you say the kit are you talking about the bike are you talking about the the the, the bags you're talking about the clothing
1: so it's pretty much the whole package okay, fine. Um, yeah having some pretty good and confident skills in the bike maintenance side of things is important because you know that if something goes wrong you, it's a known thing it's not a it's not a um, something you don't know how to fix you don't have to try and find a bike shop you can yeah. work it out quite quickly or know that it's not such a big problem you can leave it till another time yeah um, from the bike maintenance side that's one side of it but you know knowing how to you know how quickly you can get your bivy out at mm, night and, mm. and get settled in that and stay warm yeah I, I didn't really learn that to be honest yeah sure um, for the first first attempt but Things like that, you know, knowing how to how your kit works, how how it all yeah. goes together, you can be quick, efficient, and you don't kind of waste time worrying about things if yeah. you know what your kit's going to do and how to use it. That's so I mean, really important.
0: I mean, that's one of the things that kind of like separates ultra racing from you know other disciplines in that you are on your own, mm-hmm. as in you are responsible for finding your own food, you are responsible for finding a place to sleep, uh, and obviously you change that approach over the different races that you've done. But I mean, the first one that you did. Um, I mean, when did you finish the first one?
1: I came twelfth in 12th. the first
0: one. So I mean out of how many?
1: Um, I think there was still two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty starters.
0: So I mean obviously you're a very humble guy, but I mean for a first race that's 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 like, hey, how's it going? Like, you know, I'm Matt, here I am. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean so a lot a lot of what you can take in these races and the results is is down to a, a fair amount of luck along the way. Yeah. Um but also again, knowing your kit and knowing how your body responds to these things as well. And that was probably yeah, the sure. other part of it is understanding what your body's going to do when it's done a really long ride. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so luck is one thing, but yeah, just having a bit of knowledge about how to handle a situation. Mm. Um, one thing I didn't know about before then was sleep deprivation, mm. um, and understanding how my body responds to that. That was, that was one thing. Um, yeah, I'm kind of just rabbit, uh, throwing no, no, loads no. of stuff out there no. but it, it kind of it, it is a, a a package that you kind of have to kind of get together and get right you can get some things wrong yeah but yeah there's also a lot of luck that kind of applies to that
0: well i mean it's just mm. really interesting because i mean i think of you know sort of like that like you two, you know jamie and danny who you know race you know locally you race either crits or sort of on the road or you know i know jamie you're going into the mm. time trial and side of things i mean ultimately the the <laughs> You've got the physical demands and you have the mental demands, mm. um, but obviously we're just talking about them in different categories. I mean, you know, do you does the the thought of ultra appeal to you, Jay? You know, the, you know, thoughts of like pushing yourself to that extreme, or or would you feel that you would have to completely change your approach with regards to your riding to to accommodate that type of type of thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, like the thought of it appeals, but probably on a more romantic level. It's that kind of like it's riding at its like most sort of primitive. It's just exploring the world on the bike, which Mm. I'm sure is why a lot of people do it. Mm. But yeah, like you say, you'd have to completely change your approach Mm. to, or I'd have to completely change my approach to how I ride a bike. And I'd have to look for every hour of the day Mm. where I'm not doing something else to be spent in the saddle rather than that kind of productive training that I can sort of knock out in one hour mm. and then that will sort of stand me in good stead for a, an hour's race. Mm. You kind of have to, with with all training, you kind of have to make it as specific to your goal as possible. Mm. And so shorter racing means shorter training. And i imagine with Matt, it's longer racing means longer training where well, he can.
1: <laughs> I, if I'm honest, I think... Um the most important training you can do is that short, high-intensity kind of building up your okay. that's interesting um, your 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 power and your mm. ability to recover quickly. Um, you do need to have the knowledge and experience of sitting in the saddle for a long day, yeah. Um, because if you if you're doing that on a race for the first time, uh, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna bite you. You're gonna get
0: mm. hurt. Um, you might get saddle, saddle sores, sores.
1: might might,
0: um, might show up. We've had some requests for questions about saddle sores. We'll okay. get back to that a bit later. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I th- there's kind of two trains of thought. You don't have much time, if you're using that time as effectively as possible you mm. know, through you know improving your FTP and you know power training. That's great. The other side of it is that zone two, you yeah. know, just sitting in that zone for ages. They both have their merits. I think it depends how much time you've mm. got. You can do either. Mm. Um, but you will need to do some of the long yeah. days every now and then.
2: Maybe it's not so much of a romantic pipe dream. <laughs> Maybe I'll be signing up next year. Maybe, Who knows? Be, yeah. yeah. So,
0: so, I mean, when you, because obviously you, you know, you, you, you've said that one of your key parts of training was your commute. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you live out this way into London. So it's what, 30K each way, 40K each way? Yeah, 30K each way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's 60K off the bat without, you know, kind of five days a week. Um, at a fairly consistent pace and then you would go out and do these long ones on the weekend mm-hmm. um, I mean you know I suppose you know the TCR is usually in what June? July?
1: Yeah it usually starts at the end of July
0: End of July So how how far do you start preparing for it to, to get quote unquote like race ready?
1: Um, so I mean I'll kind of I'll do bits and pieces at the end of the previous year yeah. Um, just to kind of get my mind in the right place, maybe, you know, do a festive 500. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, starting in January is, is how I've really kind of, I've cleaned the slate and said, yeah, sure. let's start in January. Let's sort out the diet, mm. maybe, you know, stop drinking for mm. a few months mm. um, and then kind of start training from there. Mm. Um, that's where it starts. I would build up for maybe two months, um maybe even three and then do a big kind of like a test like an all-day ride i used to uh, ride down to my mum's in wales yeah, yeah the, um, it the,
0: your mac and cheese ride
1: yeah the mac and cheese tour yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, i used to leave at midnight so it's kind of a, a race simulation yeah. sort of thing yeah. um but it's in march um rather than in you know the heat of the summer in europe yeah um it's very dark for most of the, the day um but yeah Leave at uh, midnight and ride down through England, across the border into Wales, through the Brecons and then through the um, through to West Wales. It was about four hundred and thirty k.
0: And you'd be there for dinner.
1: I'd be there for about five to six o'clock. Depends on the weather and, and, and the town. route I took. But yeah, it's um, it's a good you know.
0: Was that the one where was that one of the years where your bottles had frozen?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I think there was. Um, I think that was in uh twenty eighteen actually. Yeah. Um yeah. I came through um I think it was around Marlborough, it was minus seven degrees um in the middle of England. <laughs> By the time I got to um Abergavenny, uh I think it was about eight AM and uh, both my water bottles had frozen solid. That's so and I, I had to ask the uh the, the coffee shop to defrost them for me.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So I mean that kinda of, like brings on to the Onto like the probably the next question, like, and this is something that obviously you know for for people who follow us and curve and and <laughs> you know Ryan's always done it. Ryan has always done a very good job of you know talking you know you know bit showing kind of the the ups and downs of sort of ultra racing. But the bit that kind of scares me off from from ultra racing is the mental fortitude of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was doing a ride to Wales and my bottles froze, I'd be like, stuff this. Like, I'm getting on a train or something. Because there'd yeah. be that panic that was set in. It was certainly, I mean, I've never been in that situation. But that's that's something that would, you know, uh, I, I suppose maybe that's what sets, sets successful ultra people apart. Because not only are you dealing with those situations, but Danny, as you mentioned, that kind of like fatigue over time starts to really sort of play with your head and you've got to keep pushing that discipline to just get back on the bike with all the sores and you know whatever else and you know just stuffing yourself full of food I mean how when did you first experience that challenge of your mental strength if that makes sense
1: um, that's a good question I'm not sure when I first experienced it I mean i've come across little things throughout you know the, the times where i've ridden bikes um you know riding to london to paris you know sleeping on the ferry uh, as it's rocking and rolling through yeah. the, the english channel is, has been a good one where you wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning and you have to mm. cycle 50k for breakfast um you know little things like that kind of you just then know that it's only 50k and and you will get there
0: yeah interesting um, breaking it down
1: yeah and it's a lot of it comes down to realising that you know a bit of I guess constant forward progress Um, as long as you're moving forward you are going to get out of the situation eventually but if you stop and you stay there Mm. nothing's going to change yeah Um, you know that example where I was in Marlborough and it was minus 7 degrees I was freezing cold yeah and I was looking at it and I thought what do I do yeah do I do I quit Um, what does quitting mean that means phoning the police it, it was four <laughs> o'clock in the morning in Marlborough there's nothing open Yeah. Uh, it was either that or you know uh, keep going yeah sure so
0: yeah just kept going yeah when you are dealing Danny when you are dealing with some of your clients and you know you'll have guys that are racing obviously do you have any ultra riders that you're coaching I've got one yeah, yeah do you yeah and ha- has he done races or she done races no so the, um, he's doing a, a quite a
3: short Oh well, it's short as far as ultras go. So it's the Donegal five five five. Okay. So I mean, coming back to the demands of the event, that's a it's basically a one day event. Five hundred fifty five k's around the kind of the Donegal coast in Ireland. Okay. Um, So it's kind of it's quite wild country. It's very very hilly, but it is only kind of one day. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as we're we're talking about the the demands of the event in terms of the mental strength and experience and all that sort of stuff, um, Mm. it's very different to something like the Transcom. Mm. Um, So like raw power and strength play into this perhaps a bit more than they would for for some.
0: Yeah, Um, interesting. I mean, do do you you, um, try to sort of like, when is the race? Uh, It's June. Okay. Yeah. So not far away, next month. Mm. God, as if it's May. (laughs) Still feels like February outside, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um how um i mean are you are you making him aware of of that that mental side of things and what to be prepared for
3: definitely yeah and 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 we're doing like we are doing the odd kind of big day um through the training as well Mm. um he's in a very fortunate position at the moment where he's able to train pretty much full time yeah um so we can we can kind of do whatever we like which is great um doesn't have the time limitations of a lot of athletes
0: and so, what are you focusing
3: on? Just It's a lot of volume at the moment. Yeah. Um, and kind of a lot of sort of long, easy rides, but also some of the harder stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't need to be going into doing like super high intensity anaerobic type training like you would for, you know, a crit or a, you know, really close to the preparation phase of a, of a road race. Mm. Um, but it is about building that kind of aerobic engine. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if, if you look at it, from the perspective of, of what you you really really don't want to be going above threshold um, in an ultra, because I'm sure as as Matt's aware, like if if you go up, you know, if you're forced above threshold by a really steep hill carrying lots of gear, it takes a long time to recover from that, mm. um, and it can really drop your kind of average speed down if you're having to stop and recover or you know, cruise
0: really slowly for the next couple of hours. So is it similar to to, to, to what you what you're doing with Jamie in that you're just trying to kind of almost just extend that kind of time getting closer and closer to threshold so you're kind of not cresting it but you're just kind yeah. of almost pushing that barrier away if that makes sense
3: similarly yes yeah. So I mean, like ultimately we're trying to make his threshold as high as possible and make him able to hold it for as long as possible yeah because that will mean when he does come to a hill he can go up that hill at below threshold push over the top keep pedaling down the other side Yeah, fine. Um, and maintain that pace throughout the whole event whereas yeah. if his threshold was 50 watts lower every hill he might be pushing over threshold and that's just unsustainable. Mm. Um, And I I, I guess it it comes to Matt's point about you need to do some high-intensity training for ultras because the higher your threshold is, the lower percentage of it you're riding. Um, Yeah, interesting. Because, you know, you you can do 400Ks a day at a relatively low intensity if you're willing to sacrifice a bit of sleep. Um, But if you can, if, if those big Ks aren't pushing you really hard physically mm. um you can kind of recover a little bit easier. Mm. Sort yeah. of and I,
1: I think the fitter you are as in the more threshold you have, mm. the the faster you recover as well. You know
3: mm. it's totally. <clears throat> yeah.
0: I mean Jamie with your training, I mean it'd be good to mm. have a bit of a sort of like recap since the last coach's corner. You know, you were saying that you you know, when you you obviously got used to your, your road position mm. but that you've Notice that you can kind of spend so much time, almost kind of over under, yeah. more than you ever were, and that's just down to the volume you've been doing at that level. Like, how's I mean, yeah. how, how the racing, how's the racing been going?
2: I think like I've not done. I mean, since I've since I've been doing sort of this time trialing specific stuff, I've not done any testing at like full one flat out test effort. Yeah, so I couldn't say whether my level is above where I got to and like we discussed in episode one mm. but I'm consistently hitting better numbers than mm. I was in previous seasons sort of it's just under that level I was at, at mm. when I did that one really good test but mm. it's every time I do it now yeah. so it's like every every effort I can hit mm. you know 360, 370 for 20 Yeah, and that's at the back end of like three or four 20 minute efforts in a session now and mm. whereas before that was just a one-off thing yeah sure um and then yeah you see that that when you go and do a race effort you can spend say you know an extra minute at 400 watts and recover a lot quicker and not feel it at the end of the race like i would have when, when you need it yeah like mm. i would have a year or so ago. Mm. so you've suddenly got this as well as being able to sort of consistently hit this same number mm. You're also consistently not putting yourself in the red as much, mm. um, which you know. Say I was doing an ultra, you could spread that out over multiple days mm. and feel the benefits of that. By the sounds of it, whereas, I mean, I'm only having to do it in an hour or two racing, but
0: but I I suppose it I mean, kind
2: of yeah, it can kind of be expanded to that macro level by that, the sounds of
0: it. There's the basic principles that seem to kind of be similar, which yeah. I, which I, to be honest. I I'm surprised about, I thought it would have mm. been actually a different approach. But yeah, same. even speaking on that kind of like your, sort of our intent, mm. you still have to have that mental fortitude to kind of put yourself in that hurt locker at the end yeah. and to know that you can do it. And I suppose, you know, coming to, from your standpoint, we'll get onto like important things about pacing yourself over like a long period of time. But with that experience, they're probably, I mean, asking the question, you know, do you get that kind of strength of mind to know that you can do it and know that you have done it before and know that um you know like it's gonna be okay?
1: Yeah, I I I am not sure I really thought about it that much. Yeah. Um I don't know, I mean I know when I've been pushing and when I've just been peddling to keep keep moving forward if that makes sense. Yeah. Um but you kind of fall into this speed that you go at yeah. it's kind of like the the maximum that you can go mm. um because yeah you can't push a high um high wattage anymore this that, is literally that is your the speed that you and can that travel you're
0: down to fatigue
1: it's fatigue and yeah the body gets tired and it'll settle into what it can do yeah. i think um, okay. in my experience yeah um
0: is that
2: like a rhythm
1: yeah you kind of you, you just get into a, a rhythm i think yeah sometimes Um, I notice that my cadence Mm. kind of slows down and Mm. I kind of, I'm stamping on the pedals and then I get more fatigued. Mm. Yeah, there's a few times like that where I've noticed, oh, I need to kind of spin. I need to drop a gear and and that sort of thing. But yeah, I have, that's the one thing that I've noticed is, yeah, when you get tired, I do tend to spin a bigger gear. Yeah, sure. Um, But there's so many other things going on, um, you know, where you've got uh, saddle sores and, Mm. um, you know, maybe knee pain or your hands are, uh, a saw as well and all of those different things they're, they're kind of making you adjust and, and change how you see mm. sit on the bike um that also then affects how you put the power out how you pedal
0: because isn't it true isn't it because like we live in a we the lot i think it's fair to say in the last sort of like 10, 10 years or so we've seen you know the, the 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 public demand and understanding for some of the real sort of technical nuances of cycling you know come to the fore you know you know mm you know, Danny has a number of clients and it's all, you know, the majority of it, which is based on power. So everyone has a power meter and everyone's kinda of going through the numbers. You know, Jamie's got some some very clear goals and so working with Danny to prescribe him, you know, kind of the, 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 the tools and the, you know, the kind of the, the training sessions that will get him to the next bit. We, we you know, we're seeing bike bike fitting go through like a big surge and you know, a lot of people spending, you know, a lot of time and energy and, and spending, you know, money on on saddles, on bars to kinda of get the most optimum you know bike fit possible but obviously when you're doing a 10 day race there comes a point where just all of that goes out the window you know you've done all the preparations but you're not going to be prepared for if you get an injury you're not going to be prepared if you get a saddle sore you're not going to be prepared for what your you know how your body kind of naturally reacts when you, you i mean it's not that it goes out the window but that you can't prepare for that
1: yeah there's a lot of unknowns that will will happen yeah um you can kind of prepare for it. i think um, someone mentioned that the whole race is like a, a 4,000 kilometer risk assessment <laughs> you, you take you know you take your chances um on what you what might or might not happen along the way yeah um you you take kind of you know um a medical kit for certain things but yeah. you know that there's probably not much chance of something happening that might mean you need to take something else you yeah, know, sure. that's um, gonna you know like a splint or something you know a mm. bit of exaggeration but yeah it's really just about um kind of covering the bases as mm. best you can mm. without really kind of overdoing it. it because it's a race it's an ultra race you have to kind of um make cuts in certain areas in yeah, order sure. to move quickly
0: yeah yeah. Oh, oh, yeah with the goal to obviously race to win mm-hmm. um you know you came second in 18 i'm presuming the steps that you took to well, did you t- make changes to prepare for that one in the first one?
1: Um, to be honest, I didn't do an awful lot. I mean, the one difference that I, um, that was kind of stands out is I did have a power meter for that okay. that race in 2018 yep. and I did have, um, a coach. Okay. Um, although it wasn't like a, a you know, a f- permanent coach and I didn't have a full kind of training plan. It mm. was just a general sort of, you know, let's help you yeah, with, sure. with some of your training Interesting. Um, and with a few, few areas.
0: And so what 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 um, what encouraged you to take that step?
1: Um, so, I mean, I kind of knew to a certain level what I could do and what I was doing, but yeah. I didn't have any numbers or anything mm-hmm. to back it up. I didn't have any real formulated plan mm-hmm. on how to train. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just do a little bit better and, and just be a little bit more prepared. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really just to get a bit more confidence in what I was doing. Yeah, interesting. Uh, as well,
0: it's almost that kind of the data was just almost affirming the steps that you're taking and affirming kind of what you're what you're feeling and and yeah. you know kind of saying yes, this this is why you feel good and yeah. this is why you feel terrible.
1: <laughs> I mean, at the same time, the the training with power is more of a, a measure rather than a training aid. Sure. Um, it was telling me when I was kind of overstressed and yeah. that sort of thing, because. To be honest with you, I didn't have a lot of time for structured training Mm. um, because, yeah, like you mentioned, I've got the commute. uh, 60k a day plus. I would then, you know, tack on a few k on the way home. Yeah. It's difficult to do a high intense or you know intensity training in that situation because well, you're already knackered. Yeah, it's a long day <laughs> um, at work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and then it writes off the rest of the week. And I kind of I didn't want to compromise going out for a ride when I wanted to because I was knackered from training. Mm. Sounds a bit uh, counterproductive, but I, I want to enjoy riding my bike yeah, most of all.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And mm. um, when Danny, when you first took on this this guy who's kind of like doing the ultra, um, obviously it's, it's out of your norm with regards to the training. Uh, I'd be interested, you know, did did you feel confident? Did you feel uh, ill-equipped, or did you feel that you had the tools, knowing that you, you knew what to do to kind of like, like help get this guy to the next level?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm in a lucky position working here and and you know, knowing a lot of people like Matt who who are involved in the ultra scene. Um, and i guess with with this particular ultra it being relatively shorter and relatively less complex because it's supported yeah um all those other aspects of of preparation for an ultra mm. aren't, aren't as important mm. i guess um and and that's all the stuff that i've got less experience with like the, the pure physical training is actually quite simple yeah sure um so I, it, yeah no it wasn't anything I'd, mm. i really worried about too much i mean obviously there's the aspect of that you do with anyone who's researching the course and finding out all about them and their mm. training history and the time they've got to train and their life and family commitments mm. and all of that sort of stuff, but that's part of the course for, yeah, sure. for coaching anyone. Um, yeah.
0: So Matt, talk us through a race. Talk us through a TCR. Talk us through the ten days. I mean, the, I mean, ten days for four thousand kilometers. I mean, that is absurd. That is such mm-hmm. a long distance every day for ten days. Yeah. And obviously, you're you're probably p- feeling pretty fresh at the beginning. Yeah, And then by the end, you're probably feeling pretty knackered. Very um, much so. So it'd be really interesting to maybe sort of talk through that journey and progression and some of the, from the physical standpoint to the mental standpoint, you know, just that journey from day one to day 10. And obviously for okay. some people it's day
1: 14, 15, et cetera. Sure. So the TCR kind of traditionally started um, in Gerardsbergen yeah. um, at the foot of the Kappelberg. Mm. Um and what that meant was a kind of like a 10 o'clock start at night mm-hmm. um, with people carrying flaming torches lining the Kapolmyr. The Amazing. Um, and it's a mass start. So we head off into the night up the Kappelmur. I think in 2018 I did I think I did a, a five minute power PB for the Kappelmur <laughs> so um, which is <laughs>
0: so for, for listeners who, who don't know what we're talking about the uh, Gelsbergen is part of the uh, Tour of Flanders route and it's the very famous and iconic cobble climb that mm-hmm. ha- finishes with the uh the the chapel at the top Kappelmur um and it's a and for you know we've ridden it and it's it's really steep, yeah, and it's really it's really cobbly.
1: It's really steep, it's really cobbly, and you are loaded with yeah. a lot of food. So the first day, the the goal is to get really uh, get a bit of distances to get moving, yeah. to get that distance on the board. Yeah. So you kind of start with a lot of food and a yeah. lot of water, so you don't have to stop very yeah. much. Um, I don't know why, but every time I kind of fire up the caponier uh, <laughs> as fast as you can. And, but it's 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 crazy. You get this mad rush of all these people, all the flaming torches. And then you're over the Mer and it's pitch black
0: wow. and you're on your own, wow. there's
1: maybe one blinking light, uh, uh, rear light ahead of you yeah. and then you're on your own just and one. it's in the night. Um, then your heart rate stays up for a bit <laughs> because you've just overdone it um, <laughs> and then it slowly comes down. I think I tend to kind of push too hard um, on that first night yeah. just to kind of, you know, get ahead and it means nothing because there's still another 3,900 <laughs> kilometers to go. But yeah. Usually that first 100K goes quite fast. Um, it's foolish, but you kind of get carried away with the moment.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Um, but yeah, through the night, um, and then dawn comes and you find food and you realise how tired you are and then you slow down <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that first day is, is often probably one of the hardest. To just, you're just settling into everything. You're finding a few niggles with your kit. Um, you're working out you know, different ways of getting food. Um, and you, I kind of focus in on where everyone else is as well. I, I like seeing what's okay. going on around me.
0: So you're doing that on your phone with like a. I am dot, dot, dot watching the race I'm racing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. How funny.
1: <laughs> it's um yeah it's it's kind of nice to know what's going on. Yeah, sure. Um, it's maybe distracting at times, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that first day really is about getting as much distance as you can on the way to the first control. Mm. And I think particular race i think where was the first control uh, that was in um austria um yeah i kind of went a bit too far a bit too deep that first day um didn't stop uh the second night until about three four a.m where i got very very tired and i slept on a, a, a couple of different benches <laughs> and then kept on waking up and trying to move uh, move on a bit um yeah and this then was, so
0: this was day one
1: this was day one yeah, wow. the second day second morning I made it up to the um, I can't remember the name of the um, the Austrian climb but uh, yeah it's 2000 something meters um, and there's the control um, it was a very hot day it was a, It's quite a long climb um, and yeah so that was the start of the second day then it was downhill into Austria um, I kind of didn't do very well that second day maybe got two hundred and eighty K, something like that. Okay. Which is it's it's a short day. Yeah. Um it's a long way but um I probably could have done further but I yeah, that's where I kind of found I needed food and sleep. Yeah. Um yeah, got a hotel that night. Um nice clean and nice yeah, bit of interesting. food yeah, yeah. a beer as well. Oh. Probably not not advisable. Good man. <laughs> um yeah next day up at I think three AM after about four hours in the hotel. Mm-hmm um, then it's again, just on the move, keeping moving. Um, that was down through Austria again, another boiling hot day, um, heading down towards Slovenia. Um, and, um, yeah, um, the second control. So you, it's really kind of, you know, as each day goes by, you're just kind of working towards to get to the next point.
0: But it's, I suppose it's kind of that what would be really interesting to kind of like digest is is obviously as you're I mean even you know, you're talking about how tired you are for the first day. And it's like, of course you're tired after the first day. You've just ridden four hundred like kilometres like mm-hmm. you know, of course. But you can't but obviously you're you're spacing this out over ten days so there's a part of me that's kind of goes oh that's strange you were tired on the first day like but you know you must have been so fresh but no of course you've just ridden 400k but then you're doing that every day after day so you know you know you can sort of sleep like a few hours and then you crack on but at what point does it really start to to that to become a grind or is it literally a grind from from day dot so you
1: kind of have a bit of a cycle and i've it's a bit of a almost like a roller coaster. You have ups and downs along the way. Mm. Um, so that first day, you're fresh. You can get some distance in, and then you go on a bit of a downward spiral. and yeah. Then you don't do so much. Yeah. Then you get a bit of rest and a bit more food, and then you can pick it up again. Yeah. Um, and it, I kind of tended to do like a two day on, two days, you know, going going as fairly hard, and then maybe having a a, a quieter day. Okay. Um, I think it it kind of works for me, because then I. I don't know, that's kind of just the routine I settled in. So you're
0: still riding, but you're just taking the tempo back a notch? Uh,
1: or maybe stopping a little earlier. Okay, fine. Um, or, yeah, just taking a little easier, um, potentially. It's, sometimes it's just not possible because yeah. there's you're in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it does vary, and you have to kind of go by feel. Um, I think, you know, maybe I'm not structured as, enough, or, uh, I, you know, I don't have an, as much kind of... Um, Routine there. But when I'm feeling good, I want to keep going. Yeah. Um, and then when I'm not, I'll stop. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but not for too long.
0: And so on that either, well, let's talk about sort of the, the, the race in 18. Like, you know, when did you, were there, I mean, you finished second, which is amazing, but there, there must've been a time when it was like, fuck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that actually happened quite early in the race. So after Slovenia, we went north um, and we were heading to Poland. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> Um, and I was coming through Austria, and um, hit this thunderstorm, and all of my uh, iPhone cables shorted out. Oh, no. So I had no way of charging my phone, um, and I was I was I was kind of rooting on the fly because my uh, route planning wasn't very good at that for that stretch. Okay. So I had to stop, and I did a really short day, and I was like, "This this race is gone." And was, these people were flying past, and I was like, "This is a disaster." I think I was maybe down to late. Uh, maybe about 18th 20th place something like that Um, and then I found a um, a phone shop bought some cables um, charged up my power banks and my phone um, and then set off in the early hours of the morning uh, and started chasing down the field Um, that was a really low point before then but then I kind of just got myself in order Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of pressed reset almost um, and then yeah just cracked on
0: yeah and so what are you doing for... I mean, because obviously, you know, you guys talk a lot about, you know, with sort of like racing locally about nutrition, mm. you know, kind of making sure that you're fueled up, you know, appropriately for it. But obviously, that's one of the things that I know Jesse and Sarah talk about. And I've done mm. some riding with Jesse when we were in South Africa. And there comes a point which just becomes an eating competition, mm-hmm. where it's just basically just yeah. eat. And I know, Danny, you've got some interesting things, you know, because there comes a point mm. where you cannot replan sort of uh, enough calories.
3: Yeah, I mean, if if you're doing... You know, 20 hours of riding a day, you physically can't replace the calories that yeah. you're burning. Um, yeah. So I think that, that's one of the important things to know is that you, you're basically like fighting your yourself at a certain point. Um, yeah, interesting. So you you can only absorb maybe. 90 grams of carbs an hour, maybe a little bit more if you really train your gut. 90 grams of carbs an hour. Which is, I mean, hour. like, if you look at that, that's yeah. a lot of food. That is a lot of food. Um, and it takes training to get to that point. But even mm. that, it, it might be just enough, yeah. maybe. Mm. But, but you probably can't sustain that guts-wise for 20 hours straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I mean, that's you, one of the really sort of I mean, tricky talk, things. Talk through what you're eating.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's important to know I kind of go into these things a little bit heavy, so I yeah. carry a bit of reserves. Yeah. Um, but what am I eating? Uh, it's kind of what you can get. Um, and it, this varies from, you know, bakeries to service stations predominantly sure. uh, to fast food, uh, maybe supermarkets. And then occasionally you'll find a, a pizza place. And hmm. um, pizzas are wonderful. Um <laughs> they've got everything
2: <laughs> they are <laughs> they are one <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but yeah i mean but predominantly it's, it's what you can get and what you can get quickly which is is service stations i think the tcr is unique in that it's in europe and there are petrol stations everywhere yeah sure um apart from france um <laughs> or at least ones that are manned and where they have a shop
0: yeah but france you got boulangeries
1: yeah but they close at like 11.::
0: oh, exactly.
1: <laughs> No, France is notorious for being closed. Uh, in my experience. <laughs>
2: Matt loves a 24-hour survey. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I did find um, on the last night in TCR uh, in 2019, um, a, um, a pizza vending machine. Oh, <laughs> oh, and I was I was at my end, and it was kind of like rural France, and I was like, "What's? I've got no food. This is going to be a long night." Yeah. yeah. And there was this pizza vending machine.
0: Oh my god.
1: Which was wonderful. I mean, it, the pizza was pretty terrible. In a field, in the middle of night. No, this
2: wasn't a mirage, mate. <laughs> it was is that like the next to deprivation a, a thing you were talking about? Sort of thing. Yeah. We just
0: had picked up some mushrooms from the side of the road. <laughs>
1: um but that was that was a, a nice find. But yeah, it's you get what you can, um, what you can get hold so of. So it's really. just
0: calories. It's calories, calories, calories. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. But there's a, there's there's only so much of certain things that you can eat and still want to eat it. I so think so you have the, to mix it up.
0: I think one of the best photos you've ever sent me is you you worked out that your aero bars um, could perfectly house a roll of jaffa cakes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great photo.
1: Yeah. The, what you didn't see is is ten k down the road, going down a, a very bumpy hill, <laughs> and the jaffa oh, cakes bouncing no, out the end, no. and oh. me trying to catch them. <laughs> from my mouth oh no! As they were coming out. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Um, so, I mean, talking about aero bars, let's talk about the bike. Yes. Um, obviously, you are a Curve ambassador. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Curve have a, a long pedigree with regards to these ultra races. You know, Jesse's done the you know, Trans Am, Rhinos, what, well, Jesse's won the Trans Am? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jesse won the Trans Am, Rhinos completed the Trans Am, got Christophe Allegar you know, multiple TCR winner. You know, they are, you know, these bikes are engineered from the ground up to suit these, these things. Mm-hmm. They're obviously a world away from the bike that you're currently racing on you know you are racing on a, a light very stiff aero time trial bike
2: also race my uh, curve though
0: of course i mean i'm i'm in this in this in, yeah, this, yeah. in this case I'm, talk, I'm talking about that um but i mean let's talk about the how you set up your bike that's mm-hmm. different from the the bikes that some some most people are riding on the weekends we're gonna
3: make rhino upset if we start talking about aero and ultra <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, you know, I mean, I think the first thing you have to set up is is to be comfortable on the bike mm. um, and what's comfortable for you. So, yeah, I mean, you need to have a, a saddle that fits and, and um, the bike needs to be the right kind of size for you and, and yeah. that sort of thing. And that's kind of just the, the general um, rule of thumb. I think the titanium works really well in that regard because it soaks up a lot of yeah. road buzz yeah. and it, it just it's more comfortable, yeah. you know, um, over the distance. So you have you kind of have more energy at the end of the day um
0: so the tcr18 you were on the curve Belgium spirit yes and you're now on the prototype of the ultra That's which right. we'll, which we'll come to but um i mean how you set up the bike for that let's talk about some of the bits that you have on there
1: um so the the kind of the the main thing that um, really the, the only thing that i would necessarily change to the bike itself um but there's actually a few things sorry yeah <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, the number one thing though is is the error bars yeah. um, so i i run uh sram e-tap and i've got little uh you know the blips on the blips, end of yeah, the, yeah. The, the shifters um and not having to move down to the the, the shifters to change gear all the time mm. um is just in, it's great for preserving the hands and yeah. preserving the arms so changing gears like you know 50 times an hour. Mm. Doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do that all day,
0: for 10 days, it,
1: yeah, it yeah. can really affect your yeah. hands. Um, I think, especially shifting in and out of the big ring and not being able to do that a couple mm. of times because mm. my, I just couldn't push my hand across. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the electronic gears makes a huge difference. And so you're um,
0: carrying, obviously, with the ETAP, they've got small batteries that are easily yeah. replaceable. So you're carrying a, a handful of that. Yeah,
1: I usually have maybe two or three spare e-taps and a good little charging cradle it takes 40 minutes 50 minutes to charge on the um on the dynamo
0: um so it's 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 a no-brainer really so we'll i mean we'll come back to the dynamo because that's a really interesting one Mm -hmm. um but you you run aero bars Mm -hmm. so that's not necessarily to get aero on the bike it's it's to offer you a level of comfort is that correct
1: yeah so i mean it's it's about being more efficient yeah um so yeah you, you're more. Um, you have a different position, so you can be more comfortable. You're taking the pro- the weight and the pressure off your hands. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not changing gears so often yeah. uh, on the shifters, but it, it does kind of make you more aerodynamic, mm. um, which doesn't make you go faster. It just saves energy, mm. and that's really the key. It's about being efficient, I mm. think. Mm. Um, and I also have um, some uh, deep section, so 55. Uh, G4s mm. um, the curve G4s mm. um, which again aer- aerodynamic wheel yeah. but they're also you know they've got a good rotational weight so they, mm. they carry you forward Yeah, um, they are heavier than other wheels but um, I mean I think weight is of less importance um, you know there's other things I could do to <laughs> maybe lose a bit of weight <laughs> um, I mean
0: you, you could save <laughs> what 50 or 100 grams on a wheel set but then you're putting you know 2 kilos worth of water on there yeah um, yeah
1: yeah but, yeah, and, you know, over the distance, the elevation, although it is a lot, it's not as significant as the air resistance yeah. uh, that you're going to be passing through. But, I mean, I think what um, you were referring to earlier, I can't remember what you, uh, that, you know, aerodynamics is, is probably not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing is being comfortable and being yeah. able to keep going. Yeah. But it also, you yeah, know, being efficient really helps.
0: Mm. Does um, that play into what you do, Jay? Mm. About being comfortable? Yeah. Or I mean, rather efficient.
1: If Jamie's comfortable, he's not hero enough.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so,
3: we've had many discussions so about this.
2: It yeah, there goes. Um, if Jamie doesn't finish the end of the race, able to move his neck. I'm, yeah, he's I'm at, he's at done the complete wrong. opposite end of the scale in terms of comfort. Yeah. It's it's an hour, and if you can't be uncomfortable for an hour, you're probably not going fast enough. Sure. Um, and I've been way too comfortable
0: recently, which is why I'm not winning. But you could get into the most. <laughs> quote-unquote aero position but if you if you're not efficient to be able to put the power through your yeah. pedals and so there's that's there's, yeah, a there's, a, there. there's
2: a balancing act yeah, it's yeah. it's mainly in your hip angle yeah. so like on a road bike i can do more power than i can on my tt bike yeah um just because because you're more upright your hip angle's more open huh. that allows you to pedal harder and pedal with your bigger muscles so your hamstrings and your glutes okay soon as you move forward and down and close that hip angle mm. to be more aerodynamic you your your glutes your hamstrings become less powerful not less effective as such just less powerful um moves forward to your quads a bit interesting um and then yeah so, you, so you're in that world you're constantly balancing the two mm. whereas in this world you're probably going waiting on the comfort side but also taking any efficiency gains you can get yeah. mm-hmm. whereas in this world it's more all the efficiency mm. and try and make your sort of comfort bearable mm. but at the point where it's basically yeah as much power as possible f- for as little comfort
0: yeah, interesting of, yeah mm-hmm. so what's the, the your um, your Donegal Five five five, fellow. Yeah. What, what what setup? What bike and setup is he running? So,
3: so this is actually quite cool because because mm. it's a supported race and you're allowed to have a spare mm. bike. He's actually running a road bike for the hillier sections, but he's got a TT bike as well. that He's oh, been right. doing a lot oh, of training yeah. on, okay, that he can ride the flat sections on. Yeah, sure. So it becomes a a really fun kind of.
1: Is Donegal flat?
3: No, not mm. even slightly. <laughs> so the, the, he'll probably be on the TT bike. He's aiming for like a sub twenty hour time. Finish. He's probably yeah. going to be on the TT yeah. bike for maybe four or five hours. Wow! But that might save him 20 30 minutes. Yeah, the Yeah, he's been doing enough. I mean, he, he he goes out and does three four hours in the position. Wow! Um, mm. And can you know he he's three four k an hour quicker yeah. for the same sort of power on the TT bike and really comfortable. So, I mean, it, it, it does make a difference for sure.
0: So obviously, you know, I mean, getting back to the, the, the bike that you're on, you know, let's talk about the bike that you, you're, you're, you've been sort of helping on with the prototyping of, which is the new uh, curve ultra Mm -hmm. and essentially ultra does what it says on the tin, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a proper, you know, proper run seal bike. (laughs) Um, I mean the differences between that and a, and a, like a road race bike, again it comes back to that comfort and mm-hmm. stability on the roads. So it's a slightly longer wheelbase and it's just about long long geometry for long days on the bike yeah and just churning through k's as as, as quickly as possible really i mean would you ever look to kind of get do one of these races on a, on a more of a like a race focused bike
1: um probably not i mean i've, I've thought about it mm. um, and i've seen others you know riding on their their um aero carbon bikes mm. um and they just look horribly uncomfortable. I'm mm. sure they're probably going up the climbs much quicker. Mm. They're able to, you know, get the power out much um, yeah. more efficiently, yeah. potentially. Um, but yeah, it, again, it comes back down to um, just that long-term comfort, mm-hmm. which you can't necessarily get on a carbon bike, yeah. um, carbon race bike. Yeah, um,
0: That's been one of the great things, having the demo fleet here of the Spirits. And we will get the demo fleet of the ultras up and running uh, later in the year. Um, but people get on it and they're like, Oh my god, this is the most comfortable bike I've ever ridden. And you're like, Well mm. yeah. Like that's the that's the whole point of it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's a really it's very agile, yeah. it's still very stiff, it doesn't sort of lack anything, but it is just a comfortable bike. Yeah. And you're not sacrificing the geometry for that. You know, kind of you haven't got this huge that you know, it's you're still riding a road bike.
1: Yeah. And you know, as I was saying, the carbon bikes might go up hills faster because they're lighter. Yeah. Um the weight as i said earlier doesn't necessarily come into it on in the long haul you don't save that much time by mm. you know going up one climb you know a minute faster maybe mm. yeah. and
3: once you add frame bags and all that your aero yeah. bike frame isn't going to make much difference mm. at no. all yeah
0: <laughs> but i mean we have seen you know other riders do that i mean obviously i know i mean christoph rides a Belgie. Um, but he's an anomaly he's just a like a freak on the bike uh, <laughs> but then you've got abdullah you know Abdullah set the yeah. record for the trans am i mean we've we've been referencing the tco a lot because obviously that's the right race that you're the most experienced in but there are many other uh yeah. you know sort of ultra races trans am being Arguably one of the most famous as well, mm-hmm. and that's similar to the Transcontinental, but it's uh, it's a set route and it's across. It's from the uh, west coast to the east coast of America. Um, I mean, I forget the exact data uh, numbers of it. Six thousand seven hundred and
3: twenty-eight k's. There you go.
0: Um, and twenty nineteen Abdullah set the record on it, and he was on a, a, a fairly sort of. I think he was on an S Works or something. Mm. Um, and yeah. it, it's a bike that he just bought. I mean, he's a again a, just a, a machine. His his data was I think it was like twenty hours on, four hours off. <laughs> twenty hours on, four hours off. Just mm. you know the 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 time and distance was was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just getting into that sort of other mental capacity we're speaking on. Um, so obviously we've we've spoken about the bike wheels, um, other bits of kit. know because i'm just thinking about you know last or this last few months the weather's been so strange here and we've been in you know in the morning it's like two degrees yeah and in the afternoon it could be like 20. and i'm sure that in your racing you're dealing with that type of um you know sort of you know temperature fluctuation so you've got to have the kit to prepare for that and if you don't you can either be overheating which is a a danger or you can be get into you know and this comes into the nutrition side of things as well you know like if you get into that hypothermia you know that's a real danger and i suppose those are things that you know as ultra racing is becoming more popular it's really important that people are aware of so i mean how do you prepare and what kit do you kind of like take
1: um so i probably take too much kit it's it's kind of a a thing but i'm I'm happy with that i can i can i can carry it i can if i've got it that means i'm i'm I can get out certain certain situations, but it's not that dissimilar to you know a lot of the kit that I would use around here yeah, sure. on a, on a ride, um, you know through the autumn or the summer. Mm. You know, it's it, you have a range of kit. Um, again, you know in Europe you're kind of at the luxury that it's summer. It's normally going to be pretty pretty good weather. Mm. Um, I think in 2017, we had the heatwave Lucifer, um, which was called Lucifer. Lucifer. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's
2: a dark name for a heatwave. <laughs> From the pits
0: of hell.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the average temperature for the three days I was in and around Slovakia and Romania was about 40 degrees Holy in the daytime. Molly. And And that's the average. Oh, God, <laughs> man. It got a lot hotter than that. But yeah, you, you kind of, you take what you need to kind of cover most scenarios, um, with some emergency kit as well. So, so
0: you were you were just butt naked through, through those parts. <laughs> yeah. So so that day you didn't yeah. need any of it. <laughs> just just put the chamois on the saddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I, I no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. So I mean, yeah. I the kit wise, I'd always I would always have my bibs uh, on for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the, the jersey, I, I always like to have at least the base layer on. Yeah. Okay. Um, because. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's more comfortable. I'm, I'm mm. not comfortable going naked on. Well, there a bike, is so.
0: there is cooling factor in that.
1: There is, and it's wicking as well. Yeah, so yeah. you know it does help um, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean you kind of have to have enough to accommodate. You know when it's going to be hot. Mm. You know you need to be able to have some relatively cooling gear. You need to be able to protect yourself from the sun. Mm. Um, but then, you know, it can get cold. It can get very wet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need a bit of rain gear and, and yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything you could think of, like, you know, gloves, arm warmers, knee warmers. Yeah. Um, I did take um, overshoes once. Okay. But I, I, there wasn't really any need for that. Yeah, sure. I mean...
0: Just the aero ones, was it?
1: Well, they're just the aero... <laughs> uh, the, the kind of the aero socks. Yeah, yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> not not socks. Uh, yeah. That would be very expensive. But... um yeah i think it's really about having the the backup kit um on top of that so yeah. when it gets cold off the bike you need to have you know like a, yeah, a full of course. blanket God, I you need even to thought have about that. the bivy kit yeah, yeah um so if you need a stop and so it's Biv- too
0: cold to ride bivy is basically a, a very small tent
1: well, it's, it's a tent bag. Yeah, so it's yeah. the, yes, yeah, it's like a, a, a fly sheet, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would have a silk liner in there and that stops like a lot of the sweat and condensation yeah. building up. Um, and then I would also have a full blanket, which I can also wrap into that. Um, so you can get a bit of heat. Um, mm. So you wouldn't warmth. run a sleeping bag? No, no. Okay. And um, to be honest with you, um, the last two TCRs, I, did, I didn't take, um, uh, I hate, Normally, well, I used to take a um, air mattress to mm. sleep on as well, but I didn't take that either. That my goal with the TCRs over the last few years was to find a hotel.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense.
1: Europe has got loads of them, so it just made sense. Um,
0: and it's and it's that whole thing of you can get four hours decent sleep. It's the quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Knowing that you can sort of get back on and smash it, you're not having to like yeah. fight fight turf with a cow.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we're talking about some of the some of the you know the preparations and and you know the physical challenges the mental challenges but i mean through some of the racing you you've done i mean man some of the things you must have seen just must be beautiful you know the parts of europe that you probably would never have got never even thought about going you're doing it in the in the in the relative calm and peace of a bike it's got to be amazing
1: yeah it's quite special i mean before i did all of this i've always had a you know a a desire to uh, ride my bike mm. uh, you know on a tour across yeah, Europe and, yeah. and travel somewhere yeah. um, and it was kind of the perfect excuse the first TCR went to Istanbul mm. uh, and that's the you know the the border of Europe in, yeah. into Asia um, and that really kind of just that was the kind of almost the romantic side of it is you know you, you're off on an adventure it's yeah. like a, mm. one of the, the, the few opportunities I could see to have you know a real adventure and mm. you know um, yeah uh, but yeah you you come through france you come through italy and switzerland um down into slovenia and then you're in the balkans in, in mm. bosnia and mm. um down into montenegro and those countries are just phenomenal yeah. um, there's a lot of very you know recent history which is very visible mm. um you get to meet so many people mm. um, not for very long a lot of the time but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you you kind of you realize that there's so much good people out there and yeah, there's so much good hospitality and um yeah um and you get to see so many countries and places that you know up until i did that i'd I'd only heard about on the news
0: yeah amazing
1: um yeah it's 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 a special thing to be able to you know ride your bike um somewhere yeah i love that
0: um look we'll start to wrap things up um what have you got any races planned this this this? I mean, I know obviously last year was a writer for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, have you got plans for this year? For next year?
1: I've got a few plans for this year. Um, however, I'm probably reconsidering quite a few of them because of travel restrictions. Yeah, sure. Um, I had hoped to do the Italy Divide again, mm-hmm. um, which is in the beginning of July. Mm. Um, I think, yeah. Again, travel restrictions might might yeah, put, sure. a, uh, put a put a block on that. But then I've got uh, a race I'm hoping, really hoping to do in Spain, mm. Uh, mm. called the Badlands race. And,
0: and so both of these are off road.
1: They're both off road, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I also have a, a Kevin of Steel, um, which I, I'm looking forward to having yeah. some kind of adventures with. Yeah, perfect. I'm still kind of waiting for um, the world to open up again to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also hoping or having a really hoping to do the atlas mountain race okay um, in morocco amazing um, in october and that's there's a few things that yeah that are a, a bit sort of uncertain about that but sure that would be lovely to do just yeah, have you got a spot of, for that
0: i do yes oh, fantastic um God, that's amazing
1: yeah there's quite a bit of preparation that i need to try and work out how to get done before then yeah sure
0: so. amazing um so before we uh, before we wrap things up Um, We did put it out on our social media uh, for some questions um, about Ultra and questions for Matt. So, Jamie, Olsen, far away.
2: Um, I mean, we've had a few and uh, Danny and Matt between them have covered a lot of it. You know, it's stuff like, uh, do I do shorter, more intense rides or lots of long rides? We've answered that. Um, We've had, uh, do I need a strict training plan to do well at an Ultra or finish an Ultra? And we've sort of said, not necessarily but it helps
0: i mean i've got to say I, I think that those two questions are probably the one that i found the most interesting yeah. today because mm. i i would have assumed that you know the, the 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 best way to kind of get better at ultra is just to ride volume and just to go out for long distance which of course is true mm. but it is really interesting to that you hear you saying and i remember actually after the first one you came back and won a race you did a crit around hillingdon and you won it didn't you <laughs> so i mean it's yeah. like moated off the front yeah but it's that whole it's it is really interesting i, yeah. I would have thought that actually training for that threshold is a good thing i thought it would have been uh, it would have been inhibited
1: well i think it, it came down to consistency yeah I think. and although i don't follow a rigid training plan i kind of am i, I was fortunate that i had the ability to have mm. time every day so yeah. to write twice a day um with, you know, some, sometimes with, with some intensity. And especially,
0: um, if, you know, you're stopping and starting at lights, you know, all yeah. that stuff is just, you know.
1: Definitely stopping at lights. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, I mean, it, and then, you know, you've got the consistency as in you're, you're riding a lot. You, and it, if you don't have that normally, mm. it definitely helps to yeah. have a structured plan yeah. To, yeah. to help you do that um
2: there's different levels isn't there you can you can just ride lots and and you can and you'll you'll finish an ultra and you know if you're prepared on all the other fronts as well like we spoke about you will be able to do it but if you want to sharpen it and and be right up there at the pointy end yeah, you you probably do need to throw some yeah, structure in there. I'd mm-hmm. say. I
1: think the other side of it as well is the variance, the variability of the training. So mm. if you do the same thing, it's not really yeah. going to get no, you much just, further. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do need to have. I, I would say you do need to have the short stuff, the, mm. the intensity mm. stuff, but you also ha- must have the the, the longer stuff mm. as well, just to get that variability.
2: I find that fascinating. Yeah, mm. well, and I think so will the people that ask the question.
0: Yeah, thank you, yeah. question. Thank you, people.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jossie and Dave. Some questions there. Um, I don't know if I'll name this person who asked this question because it's uh, one we didn't cover yet, but it's, uh, I'm a year away from my own very, very long ride. How do I prepare a certain area for saddle sores?
1: Um, So... I think you just need to prepare yourself for the inevitability, inevitability of saddle sores. You're going to get them. Um, so, I mean, traditionally I've not used uh, chamois cream or anything like that. I've kind of just accepted the fact that I will get a saddle sore and I just need to treat it and look after mm. it. Um, so... On a, a long-distance race, ultra-distance race, I think most of them I've had a saddle sore or, or more um, or after the first day. <laughs> oh, um, wow, and then exactly. it's a case of just managing the, the pain with um, either Sudocrem or Savlon. Um, there's various kind of um, treatments and various mm. kind of things that people use. And I know what? I recommended to like um, Rhino to use some um, sanitary uh, okay. Products, um, but it can be quite useful um, for just you know absorption and um, a bit of Good protection. Grief. um I've never, never actually done that myself. I um, have tried putting on.
0: Like I mean, obviously, Rhino's taken his saddle sores to a level, and he, yeah. he was hospitalised twice. Yeah. Because they just got so bad. I, I just that the thought of cycling. This is the yeah. bit which I just can't comprehend. The thought of cycling through that level of pain. I didn't realise you had saddle sores after the first damn day yeah oh my god there you it's, go it's
1: a it's a kind of a level of saddle so it's more of i guess maybe more of a chafe i don't know but Does, after a day in the same bibs in mm. the heat um you know you you, you sweat the salt crystallizes, mm. stuff gets, um, you know, bacteria <laughs> grows, it gets sore. It's a
0: science um, experiment. So, uh, it's a so science does experiment. culture. Yeah. It's a culture. <laughs>
2: so does that come back to the mental side of things as well, a bit? Putting that pain yeah. out or knowing that it's not going to get so bad if you manage it? I think is part of that The mental to happen, mm.
1: you can then look past it. And mm. it doesn't then become something that's going to stop you. Uh, at least that's the way I see mm. it. Right. I've never, I mean, I've, I've struggled pedaling, you know. Yeah, 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 I've adjusted the whole way I, I sit on a bike um, a few times because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that I could still keep moving. Yeah. And then after a while, it kind of settles down mm. and, and yeah. kind of goes away. Um, I mean, there are a
3: few things that you can do to help prevent them. Um, I'd say that the first one's bike fit. So make sure you've got a really good bike fit, really good pair of bike shorts and a really good saddle. Um, They'll help. But also one of the things um, that you can do as well is like if if you're going to stop for the night, get out of your bibs, Mm -hmm. get some antibacterial wipes if you're not going to have a shower and at least like clean
0: Mm. and maybe rinse your kit out because you want to kind of like yeah well that's the other benefit of going in a in a, a, hotel. In, in a hotel you can shower
1: with your your bibs mm. on and then yeah. <laughs> no no
0: no take them off Matt Jesus <laughs> <laughs> no but
1: okay
0: yeah.
1: as you're yeah, yeah. It's just saving time you do it yeah. all in the shower
0: and there
2: you go Danny that answers your question
0: yeah <laughs> 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 thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> that's very sorry I,
2: I, I completely meant to keep you anonymous sorry mate
0: um, any uh, any other questions
2: uh-huh. no that was, that was that we've I mean as I say we'd covered a lot of them already right just through the uh, general chit chat early on um
0: so i mean obviously you know here at, um here at jerry we've you know we've we've been working with Kerr for a while and we've we've just naturally sort of found this kind of like vein in in working closely with with people who do ultra you know like yourself and it's just the most wonderful discipline you know it's it's um you know i mean just hearing some of your stories of not only the attrition that you've been through but just the the places that you've seen and you know the thought of doing trans am or like the indie pack which goes across australia just these amazing things and, and on just the simple uh you know vessel that is the bike is, is just brilliant and you know it's it's amazing that in the last few years so many more people have taken up ultra uh we've seen many people here saying oh, i've got a place in the tcr i've got a place in this which is really great really mm-hmm. exciting and you know danny's in the workshop doing lots of builds for people who are doing as you know specific in racing we did that bike for paddy uh you know a few um a few weeks back, and also it's an amazing sport because it is a leveler. You know, we've got men and women doing it and doing really well at it. Um, 2019, obviously Fiona won it, mm-hmm. uh, which is just amazing. You've got some 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 stats on the, the, the yeah. The,
3: so one of the really interesting things um, is in I guess in in shorter uh, endurance events, um, kind of up up to marathon distance, there's a there's a kind of a gap between male and female finishing times. As the event gets longer, that gap gets smaller. Hmm. Um, so, there's a really interesting study done on ultra cycling races, and, and at about the the four to five hundred um, mile length, there's basically no difference between male and female finishing times. Wow, amazing. Um, which kind of comes back to that. I mean, they don't really know why, but some of the hypotheses are maybe women are a bit more fatigue resistant, hmm. um, but it's also all those other aspects like mental strength and preparation Mm. Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff Mm. it doesn't matter you know
0: yeah yeah
3: yeah what sex you are it's it's just
0: it's yeah i know that the tcr has been very very kind of active in trying to get more women involved Mm. um you know and look you know for 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 anybody who's who's listening who's interested in getting into ultra reach out to us you know give, give us a shout we'd love to kind of help support in any way we can answer any questions because i mean i mean something i feel about it is it is, is a wonderful discipline but you do need to be prepared as possible because you do you you could re- end up putting yourself in some real danger if you don't go to these things prepared um But, yeah, I mean, we'd love to kind of help support in any way. You know, we've got very close ties with, obviously, Matt and uh, sort of other ultra riders and obviously all the guys at Curve who are, you know, really, they've been doing it for a long, long time Mm -hmm. um, before it's become, you know, sort of like so, so popular. Um, So, Matt, look, thanks, man. Thanks so much for for joining and sharing some of your knowledge. Um, You know, it's been just wicked to support you over the years. We've got your kit uh, from the old last, or not last TCR, the one. No, it was your last TCR. (coughs) It was 2018. Yeah, we've got that up here. a smelly, unwashed, disgusting kit. Uh, Full of
2: saddle Yeah. yeah, cultures. yeah that, That's right. You um, have looked
0: inside there, haven't you?
2: No. I don't,
0: wouldn't advise it. No, it's no, no. Marinating no. in a frame. Jamie, Jamie gave it a good sniff as soon yeah, as so he dropped it off. As a buyer has yeah, yeah, yeah. we've uh, taped that one up. Yeah, that's right. So that's in a, that's in a locked container. Uh, we are a food business. and uh, <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, look man, it's, it's been wicked. Thanks so much for uh, for, for sharing. Danny, legend thank you mate if anybody's thanks, mate. got any questions about training and, and power who was looking for a coach give danny a shout jamie fashion tips go to him and <laughs> maybe <Might> <laughs> <yeah, yeah. laughs> don't know about that and uh, thanks very much for listening guys and uh, yeah thanks very much